if you knew it was going to take three years for whatever you're trying to start to really be successful, would you get started today? But what if it's what really brings you joy? Stay tuned for today's guest where we talk about these very things. Good afternoon, everybody, or is it morning where you're at? Evening? It's sometime during the day, right? All right. This is Tim Gillette, and we're on a Tim Gillette show where we bring you the coolest people on the planet. Today's guest is on the planet, but they are not in America. So this is going to be a fun interview because this is going to be the first time I've actually seen Lauren on camera. We've never talked before. Got not not other than swapping emails to make this happen. You actually get to find out about how I find out about people because that's what the show's about: interviewing people and letting you know who they are. So I, I, I'm finding some things about her, but I'm going to guarantee I'm going to find something unique about her on today's show, and so are you. So let's bring Lauren up here, and it's Lauren Clement. Hey, well done. That was awesome. I love the way you pronounce my surname. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, you know, my last name's Gillette. People cut it up all the time. So here in America, you'd get that joke. Yeah. Well, I think you're rather sharp is all I can say. So, yeah, you're <laughs> fine. I knew we were going to have fun. <laughs> Lauren, all right. First of all, where do you live overseas? Um, I'm in the Gold Coast of Australia, and I could have been worse. I could have asked you if you were the best a man could have gotten, but we won't even go with that tagline. So You, you um, can't say, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I have learned trademark tips over the last few years, and what they have trademarked, I am not saying on my shows again. Really? You get I've into trouble. I've been there, done that, yeah. Ooh, we can they have are, fun with They that are one. wicked on that, all right, yeah. yeah. So, so, so in Australia, everybody, they take the piss is the word that we use, which is basically just anything goes in Australia. And uh, I think you can probably get more into more, into more trouble for hitting someone in the face. That No, the other way around, for calling someone a name than you could for smacking someone on the nose. So um, it's a very strange country, but a lot of fun. Okay. So, uh, you know, you're down there in Australia, all right? Yes. You're not that far away from New Zealand. I'm not far from New Zealand, but I am from New Zealand. So I've crossed the ditch, as they say, here in Australia. I've come from the, the North Island of New Zealand to our West Island, we call it, uh, which is Australia. And I love it here. It's awesome. What a great place to live. So now, now, here, now here in America, I, I was born on the East Coast in a town called Scranton, Pennsylvania, where our president was born. Same area. But anyway, um, same town. And I moved to Dallas, Texas, which is like the heart of America, the heart, yeah. heart of the South. My, now, when I moved here, I was moving to California, to the West Coast, and I stopped here to visit my youngest brother for Christmas. And you I stayed leave. here. <laughs> you know where he lives right now? New Zealand. <laughs> That's hilarious. So you made your brother move to New Zealand because you wouldn't leave. I didn't make him move. I came here, and he's just like, you know, I'm not staying here anymore. I'm out of here. You're here now. <laughs> <laughs> But my mom moved here. So, yeah, my mom lives here now as well. So, but anyway, it's it's interesting because, yeah, you're from down in that part of the country, part of the world where my brother is right now. And, you know, I don't get to talk to him much, especially through all this pandemic. We didn't talk that much, really that much and everything. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's just strange the way our world went. But yet I seem more connected to people around the globe than I ever have. How about you? 
That's awesome, isn't it? Isn't it great? The technology is enabling us to do that. You, know, you and I both grew up in an era well before the internet, which just shows how old we are. And we used to do, my mum and dad used to do things called telegrams. Do you remember telegrams all those years ago? And, you know, yeah, you're right. You used to have to wait. You have to wait for um, people to mail you things or, you know, when you took photographs, you used to have to wait for the film to come back as, as photographs. We don't have to wait anymore. It's just awesome. You can pick up the, the phone and talk to anyone anywhere. It's brilliant. Wow. Uh, and 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 I assume, like you know, though uh, I'm guessing, you know, you, you look younger than me, but I'm guessing <laughs> you're around the same age. Um, and technology, though, did you have to learn to adapt to technology like I did? Yeah, we were lucky, though. I think I, we at least I got to know computers in school. Were computers in school when you were in school, Tim? Was that yeah? Was that we were thing? starting to get them. I, no, I took drafting, and we had gotten a a, a, a computer-aided drafting machine to sample and test out like the last four months I was in school. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the kids, anyone listening to this who's not of that era, what we our computers had a room, it was a computer room. There weren't any computers anywhere else in the school, just in the one room, yeah? So yeah. I mean, it's take turns using them. Um, so we sort of knew a little, so by the time I got into the workforce, computers started to become the norm, that there were computers in offices. And I worked on one of the very first Apple Mac computers in New Zealand. Um, when they first arrived, um, a grey little box that did, had, I think it had four things. It had an Apple menu, help and edit, I think, were the four topics at the top that you could use. And we were just blown away with how many typefaces were on this thing. So, um, yeah, those were the days, eh? But, yeah, I think we were lucky because if something goes wrong on a computer, I blame the computer. Whereas my previous generation, if something goes wrong, they blame themselves. So I'm quite lucky that, you know, at least we're in the generation where it's not our fault. It's yes, somebody else's yeah. fault. It's the computer's fault. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but like now you uh, actually work in internet and in a computer, correct? Yeah, all the time, constantly. Yeah. Far too much time standing at my desk, but yes. Okay. And what is it that you do and how do you help people on, on the World Wide Web's? Oh, I love it. Great question. So I have um, an interesting story. When I was about eight years old, Tim, I was told I wouldn't be able to read or write properly. I had something called, um, it's an interesting word, it was called word blindness, which basically is dyslexia. But my teacher back this, I'm talking when I was about eight or 10 years old. So the 19, late 1970s, early 1980s. Um, and yeah, he said I would never be able to read or write like the other children did, and I would have to learn how to do it myself. So it sounds like a horrible thing for a teacher to say to someone, but it was great. He knew me. He knew anything you told Lauren she couldn't do, I was going to prove you wrong. I was going to go out there and, and absolutely nail it. So I was reading 10 to 12 novels a month. I was pushing myself to learn all these words. I would take a book of words home with me and someone would read them out and I would spell them back to them. And I figured out how to get around my dyslexia. And it was to keep the shape of the word in my head so that I could see the word. And even now when I spell and I'm not sure, I have to close my eyes and I can see a picture of it. Um, so that to me was a, a disability, but it became one of my greatest assets, which is just lovely because when I obviously discovered that I was quite creative, I was always drawing, I was painting, I was doing all sorts of things as a kid that were very creative. I said, I want to become a graphic designer, which is what I did. And that was before computers. So I learned the trade to draw and all those sorts of things. And um, then I got into working with advertising agencies and I worked with some of the biggest advertising agencies 
in the world, which was awesome. I worked for Saatchi and Saatchi and Ogilvy and Clemingers, all these big name branded agencies. Um, when they were right at the top of their game, which was just really such a great time to be involved in that industry, well before the internet had really taken off. And the interesting thing was that same disability that I had, that dyslexia, became the thing that I used the most. And it really helped me to um, see the brands that I was working with. I was a production manager in those advertising agencies. So I was between um, the suits and the creatives trying to make everything happen. And, uh, and things would come across my desk and they'd go, can Lauren please check this? Because I'd be the one who'd say, no, the colour's wrong or no, that's last year's logo or you've got the wrong tagline or someone stretched it or something's not right with it. I would, I'd be the one who would pick it up. So that dyslexia and that ability to, to hold the image of something in my brain as a, a child became awesome for me when I was an adult. So now I'm a branding specialist. I'm a, a neurobrander, which is understanding how the brain sees brands. Um, and I also do personal branding, which is my love, my passion for entrepreneurs and leaders, which is just great fun. I love it. You know, I seen uh, Lauren, uh, my, you know, my mentor showed this the first time I ever attended his conferences. He showed this video about branding and marketing. And uh, basically, these three gentlemen or two gentlemen were called in to go and, and design something. And they put them in a taxi. They drove them through a neat section of town and put them in an agency and said, I want you to come up with the, a brand that says this and this. And the, and then they basically drew something out in like a four hour period. And then they took something out of an envelope and showed them they were almost identical and <laughs> said, why is this? And then they showed why when the team arrived, they showed what they drove them by. Mm. And they took the same mm. pictures and identified it with the brand. Now, yeah. Is that, I assume that's along the lines of stuff you do. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I mean, that's a little bit like um, there's a, a, a word for it, but I'll, when you know when you choose you want a car, there's a particular make or model of car that you really want, and you decide yeah. that's it. I don't know, Tim, did you ever have a vehicle that you went, I want one of those? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What was it? Um, gosh, for me, I don't know. It was always a motorcycle for me. <laughs> Ah, of course. Yeah, yeah. So there's a, what 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 so what was it? There must have been one you went, I really want to get one of those. It was always a Harley. Uh, that's probably why I got one. Yeah. Harley, yeah. Also, my dad used to have a triumph back in the day. So, you know, beautiful brands. So um so when you decided that was a particular make and model that you wanted, did you notice more of them around the place? You know, did you see yeah. their brand a bit more? So it's called reticular activation. It's it's your brain is amazing. It's it's soaking up all this information. And unless you tell it that you're interested, it will just filter stuff out. Otherwise, we'd go insane. I mean, back in the 70s, and it's funny we've been talking about the past, but back in the 70s, our brains were exposed to about 500 branded messages a day. Wow. And today, it's closer to 10,000. Wow. So we're just getting absolutely bombarded with, with branding and marketing and messaging. So our brain has got to use this filter because otherwise, seriously, we'd go insane if we noticed everything that we saw. Whereas if you've now said to your brain, oh, I want that Triumph or I want that Harley, you're going to see the brand. You're going to see the motorbikes. You're going to notice stuff that you wouldn't normally notice because your brain's going, oh, you've told me you're interested in that. So I'm going to bring it to your attention. It was already always there, but you just never really saw it. So that's one of the secrets of branding is working out exactly when your ideal client is going to be wanting you so that then they can see you and find you really easily. 
So, um, and, that, and, and you say that with cars, and you say that about how it activates the brain. Yeah. Um, you know, I've always had bikes or, or trucks and stuff like that. And recently I traded my truck in and I, not something that I was sitting there dreaming about, but I drove my, my mentor, I drove his uh, Mercedes from Los Angeles to Dallas when he moved here for him. And I never thought about it. All right. Uh, until I actually like looking at cars, I stopped by the dealer and I got one just like his. <laughs> now, like I never seen this car anywhere before, right? Yeah. Now I see them everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. The brain triggered, and that's doing it for brands, is what you're saying. You're helping your customers with their brands. Absolutely. Use that same tool. Yep. And it can be anything. You've got to remember we've got all these senses. It's not just, I know I say I help people, you know, understand how the brain sees brands, but I've always put that in these little quote marks because. You know, you've got taste, you've got uh, Coke. Remember Coke stuffed up royally when they changed the recipe? New Coke, you know? I remember that. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, and there's a lot of talk. It's funny, right now in Australia, um, Coca-Cola is about to be sold to the European brand of Coke. And they're all worried that they're going to change the recipe. And it's just, it's never going to happen because they've been there before and know that that doesn't work. You know, but when, when certain things are comfortable to you or i mean the brain likes what it knows it doesn't like new stuff mm -hmm. it'll always go back to the comfort zone so um there's a really interesting thing you can do actually if if you're listening to this and you've got children around you especially teenagers this will blow their mind this will show you how much the human brain likes what it knows if you stand on one leg and i don't know whether you can do this to, while you're interviewing me but start turning one of your feet in a clockwise direction Right, so standing up, so right, so take out the right or left leg up to you, and you, actually, I want you to turn it in an anti-clockwise direction rather than a clockwise direction. So anti-clockwise. So start turning your foot around in that direction, and then what I want you to do in the ear with your hand is draw a number nine, and then see what happens with your foot. <laughs> So I wish I had a camera right? on my feet to make you guys see it, but yeah. Yeah, it goes the other way. So the thing is, how often do you stand up and twiddle your foot round in an anti-clockwise direction? Hardly ever. How yeah. many times do you think you've written the number nine in your lifetime? Millions, probably. Millions. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. your brain will override something new with something that it knows every single time. Wow. So, so wow. yeah, so if you can become known, if you can become recognized, if people just, like you say, you've, all of a sudden I know this car, I like this this brand, I buy this, you know, type of wine or whatever it is that you go for, or I buy a service from somebody and I like them, you're going to recognize them and you're going to tell other people about them because it's comfortable now. You know them. Okay. And uh, I'm actually writing another note I just had over here uh, for our game later on. I'm not uh, looking forward to the questions. I hope I know the answers. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, it's interesting you're teaching, I mean, teaching me all this stuff because I, I, you know, I never thought of it and, and making my brand. You know what I mean? I, I, I associate things with my brand. Um, and, and I went with a brand of simple, easy marketing because of the fact that if it's not simple, it's not easy. This brain doesn't comprehend it. And yes. it goes back to childhood for me. And mm -hmm. I was told I was probably about nine years old. My parents were worried. I was flunking out in school. So they took me and had me tested. And basically at the school, the guy basically said to my parents, hey, he's going to have a job with his name on his shirt. All right. You know what I mean? He just should be happy with what life gives him. Wow. Um, and because I really 
anything complicated in school, I didn't want to deal with it. All right. Cause I looked at that system and I went, that's too complicated. Not for me. And I'd mm-hmm. shut it off. And that's very similar to what you're saying here is old familiar. All right. You know, I knew how to pick up sticks. I did it. I knew how to chop wood. I did it. Give me this weird concoction in math. I've got to do it. No, no, man. No. Two plus two is four. That's all I needed to know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? We're so impressionable at that age, aren't we? Nine, 10 years old. It's such an important time in our lives where we sort of make these decisions mm-hmm. based on what people tell us. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting. I'd love to go back, I'm sure, and um, and give my little 10-year-old self a pat on the back and go, it's going to be okay. You're going to yeah. be fine, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, speaking of that, all right, now I have what I call, uh, you know, I mean, I have a couple, that, that being what I just told you, but another, I have another life-defining moment in my life um, and I was around the same age, it was 10 or 11 years old and my dad getting laid off again. And he got laid off several times in the 1970s, uh, mm. cause he was in the truck driving. He was a truck mechanic in the trucking industry here in, in the U S yeah. And I kept watching my dad get laid off. And one night I watched my dad come home early from his job and cause he was laid off and mm. say, I get laid off again. And in my mind, I went, we're not going on vacation this summer. I'm, I'm wearing the same clothes to school next year. I mean, in yeah. my mind, this stuff clicked right away. And I, something went, I'm never going to let a company control me for the rest of my life ever. Did something happen to you like that, where it was like a triggering moment and, you know, and it till, till this day, it just drives you? I don't know whether I had, uh, fortunately, I never had that defining moment. I know my mum and dad struggled. It's quite funny. They're what they used to call 10 pound poms, which is basically they were given 10 quid, 10, 10 pounds in England in order to travel and leave the country and go half a world away and live in another country because they had skills. My dad was an engineering draftsman, which no one before computers will know what that means. He would CAD, I guess he would have done um, some sort of technical drawing on a a computer, but he did it before then. And my mum was a florist. Mm -hmm. So they both had skills. So they qualified as 10 pound palms to move from England to New Zealand. Mm -hmm. They looked at Canada, Australia and New Zealand. And my dad loves sailing. And he fell in love with Auckland Harbour, with the Waitamata Harbour, oh, yeah. where they've just raced the America's Cup. If anybody's into sailing, it's been extraordinary. I love sailing. So, um, so yeah, it's been really interesting for us. They're like Formula One cars on the water, which is just amazing. Um, but, yeah, they moved to New Zealand. And so I've, I guess that pioneering spirit that you've got to do it yourself, you, you know, that no one was going to come to their rescue. They were... The other side of the world away, the next time my mum saw her parents, I think was probably 10 years later, you know, so that was the, and you know, you've got a brother in New Zealand, it's a blooming long way away. <laughs> so, you know, so I guess that that independent streak, the fact that, um, yes, mum and dad both worked for other people for many years, but they were probably the most happy and the most successful when they were working for themselves. Um, My dad ended up being the director of a YMCA camp in New Zealand, which has nothing to do with engineering, but he was there for nine years and he turned the place around. It was an amazing culture. Um, I had 360 different kids every week of the year that would come and, you know, make themselves at home at my house, basically, where we lived in the country. Um, And, yeah, they were very successful. So I think there's probably that impression from my parents was you've got to be independent. You've got to look after yourself. And being an entrepreneur is just a no-brainer. And I have worked in corporate. I did it. I've done one year in corporate. Um, that was as much as I could survive. It was a maternity leave coverage. It was a brand um, management position. It was brilliant. I got to manage um, the Rugby World Sevens, 
which was such good fun. And I got to hang out with some burly rugby players in New Zealand as well, which was great. Um, But uh, I digress. Um, So, yeah, so, but what I love about that, Tim, is that, yeah, these moments in your life, I think, make you decide what you won't ever do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's probably almost as important as the times in your life where you decide, oh, I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be an air hostess was the other thing I wanted to do because I liked the idea of travel, you know. Um, So, yeah, the really defining moments, I think, I'm never going to do that. I know what I don't want. And -hmm. I think that's a really powerful opportunity in life. Now, now your current company, all right, you, uh, you, you're owner and you're a partner into it or is it just you? It's, uh, I've got an awesome business partner. So we, um, we had a lot of fun. I, I had a branding agency here in Australia for about seven years and uh, was doing very, very well. And I, was, I would brand people and help them understand what their message was and how to explain what they did and, and I, sticking to their lane, basically. This is your thing. And we packaged their brands beautifully. And they knew their audience and they knew what they wanted to be known for. And then I needed someone to do their publicity because I'm not a journalist. So my, my background's branding. So I would hand them on to, to Annette and Annette would do an amazing job and she would get the media coverage and so on. And at the same time, she used to get clients coming to her saying, I really want some publicity, um, but they wouldn't know their brand story. And they were all over the place. They had multiple websites and just didn't know who they were. So she'd send them to me and I'd package them and give them back sorted and she would then do her job. And we would refer clients to each other just all the time for a couple of years. And eventually we went, this is stupid. We just need to work together. So we formed, she got rid of her business, I got rid of mine and we, we joined up and formed the Audacious Agency. Mm-hmm. And it's been about, uh, it's been almost, well, it's just over a year that we formed that company together. Mm-hmm. And we're having such a blast. We're just, we're loving it. One of the things that ties us together, Tim, and this is an interesting question as well, is, um, I worked for lots of award-winning advertising agencies for mm-hmm. years. Yeah. I used to think that awards were just a little bit of an ego trip because yeah, of what yeah. I, how I'd seen they were used and leveraged. And, you know, the, we had rooms full of awards at Saatchi's, bins full of awards. There were so many awards. Um, and I just wasn't really into them. And she said to me one day, yeah, but you haven't won an award personally. You haven't gone out there and done that. Why is that? And it's funny because I there's something that we can't know whether I can swear too much on this show, Tim, but I call it the itty bitty shitty committee. You know, that those little voices up there that sort of go, yeah. You're not enough, you know. Yeah, someone's gonna find out you're a fraud any minute now. Yeah. So I, I had to get over my own self yeah, and yeah. say, you know, stop listening to those voices and go for it. And she encouraged me. I entered my first award. It was an international Stevie Award, and I got a silver. And it was like all of a sudden, oh my goodness, the stuff I'm doing is valuable, and people do think it's worthwhile, you know. And it made a huge change to the way I viewed the work that I did. And so we've gone on, and now we're actually the Stevie representatives here in Australia and New Zealand, and we help hundreds of people enter these awards every year. And there's a load of other awards that are always opening all the time. The Small Business Champion Awards, the Mumpreneur Awards, there's so many of them. Um, But we help people to enter them and leverage them. Mm -hmm. And it's just beautiful to see everybody go through the same thing I did. You know, that self-doubt and that little committee up there going, you're not very good. And and they get over that and they win these awards and they're never the same. They just have so much more confidence in themselves. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of awards, all right, and I noticed on your website too that you're this, but you know, I was never into awards. I, I yeah. to me, I was like, yeah, whatever, right? The only award I wanted and I got, I'm going to show it to you because it's sitting right here. 
2011, I was the number one mileage person for my Harley Davidson chapter. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, and I actually won it the year before, but my father died and I couldn't be there to report my miles at the end of the year. I, and I wasn't back for three weeks to report my miles. And by then they'd already printed up the awards. So they're like, we're not going to I'm like, well, fine. I'll win it next year just to show Thanks you I can do it. Wow. Brilliant. <laughs> um, but other than that, I was not really into them. But like the other one I have mm. over here is, you know, my mentor, you know, hosts a conference and he just he decided to put awards out and yeah. he, he put the award out. I was the blogger of the year one year and I, I never got into it. But then it was like the other thing was books. I mean, that book is not a, a number one bestseller, but I'm in a dozen like compilation books that I'm an Amazon number one bestseller like seven times in a row. Yeah. on everybody else's book, but not my own because I just didn't do it. And I never thought about that until you actually start talking about, and it's a PR thing. You actually start going out and trying to get speaking gigs. Well, he's a seven time number one best-selling author from Amazon. Uh, he's an award-winning blogger. All right. Uh, an award-winning Harley Davidson writer. Now they're like, Oh, this guy sounds interesting. Yeah. Those awards yeah. are like to me. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's all like about perception, isn't it? It's yeah. all about perception, Tim. It it's is. amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and it, that's that's that level of credibility. It's what we talk about all the time is that trust currency yeah. that you can create. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm looking up for my blog and video con of putting together a set of bloggy awards every year. All right. And I, I, I understand there's challenges to doing it every year, but that's it. It's, it's, it's PR for my clients to use so yeah. they can say, I'm a award-winning blogger. I'm an award-winning whatever. And that's a PR thing. So I get it. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the interesting thing is the only trick is to make sure you choose the right award. Yeah. So yeah. what would be the point? So I probably would never go for a mumpreneur award much as I'm a mother and I've got a 20 year old daughter who's awesome. I it just to my, with my brand, I'm not about being a mum in business. Mm -hmm. It's different for me. So you've just got to choose the right award to enter, choose the right category that makes sense for your audience. Yeah, and yeah. yet, and and the other tip is <laughs> when you win an award or you write a book, don't just let it do sitting on, like behind me is my Stevie Award and my book. Just don't let them sit on the shelf and gather dust. You know, you've yeah. got to leverage them, write about them, yeah. blog about them, post about them, put them in your email footer, mention them in social media. It does feel a little bit like, oh, it's all about me. But if you can tell your story, Mm -hmm. about what you overcame or, you know, the challenges that you've had or what it's felt like to, to get over yourself and win this award and talk about it, then you become a human again. So it's a really nice way to do it. So there's another thing that we've done in the, uh, in the PR world. All right. Yeah. And we talk about doing it a lot in my, to my clients and the people I work with out here in the East is publicity stunts. Yeah. All right. I pulled, a, I don't know if you remember, a, a live streaming platform called Blab a couple of years ago. Uh, and on Blab, there was a thing that went around for the green check mark to be Blab official. That was a publicity stunt that someone else started it, but I took it for a ride. Yeah. I took it for such a ride. I became so known because of the fact I did it, right? That uh, I, in my new branding, Simply Easy Marketing, we put the same check mark in the branding to let people know that was me. And I actually had the president of the company that owned Blab call me personally and go, Tim, will you stop with this? Stop it is affecting it. my work. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a, it's a neat publicity stunt that it got people to do something and I could attach it to my brand. And basically, 
my videos that was all about doing it, it, it transitioned halfway through the videos of trying to get people to do it. I taught people about publicity stunts. Yeah. Yeah. And it's anyway. interesting because it's the stuff when you know you've you've annoyed someone, you know you've really done well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, we did a publicity stunt years ago in Wellington in New Zealand, and we had a um, it was a beach party. It was in this little part. We got to know <laughs> it was for a internet company, and it was promoting the speed of their wireless and how fast it was, wow. and the fact that you could surf anywhere. And there was a particular part of the harbour that the motorway went past. And everybody knew it was a dead spot. Everybody knew you could not get internet there, but he could. So he had the technology to bounce the signal off of an island and get it into this part of the, the harbour. So we set up this beach party. We had we had people playing, you know, volleyball, or we had people on, on bikinis on lounges and a, and a barbecue going and music playing and all of this branding everywhere. And we set it up so that it would happen, of course, at rush hour because that's when most people are driving past. We backed up traffic, basically, and the police came and shut us down because we backed up so much traffic that they were blocked up way back in the city. So, uh, yeah, but, yeah, we got on the news. People were annoyed with us. Everybody knew his brand, so it was just brilliant. Yeah, great. It's, Love it. it. I thought you were going to tell me, you know, you were trying to do something with the Internet, so you got a bunch of surfers to get out there and... Well, we talked about surfing. We're surfing the internet, which is exactly what the beach party was. So, yeah, definitely. Cool. So, I actually, someone just sent me a message who I thought was watching. Ah, cool. Um, yeah. And, you know, over the years, uh, you know, I've watched people do all kinds of things with the internet. Um, have you worked with your clients and doing any anything like that in a publicity stunt to where, other than the, the beach party, to where you're getting people to do, even if they're small, to pull something like that off? I think the interesting thing about the internet is that it's just another channel. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think you've got to think about it as using it as a way to reach people. And there's a couple of really great stories that people have used. Um, one of our clients has got a, um, a product that helps with children who are, I'll say special needs, but it covers such a broad range. But they want to be involved and you want to get them involved in what's doing. And one of the things that traditionally children have loved to do is to be in the kitchen with mum. Mm -hmm. But if you've got kids who, who have learning difficulties and so on and, and they're really not sure of themselves, having sharp knives and things around the place is a problem. So she's created this thing called a kitty cutter and it's a knife that kids can use to cut things up in the kitchen. It won't cut them, but they can be part of what's going on. So she's encouraging you know, kids to get involved and to, um, to eat well and to understand food and so on and, and to keep that relationship going in the kitchen with mum. And she's done some extraordinary things with Kitty Cutter and telling stories and doing all sorts of things online that people have picked up and gone, wow. And the interesting thing is it's quite controversial because some people will say, oh, give them a proper knife. Other people will go, why are you pandering to these children, you know, and so on. And she's really causing a stir with the communication and the conversation that's going on around there. Yeah. Um, the other one I love is we've got a client who teaches children how to fish, how to go and catch their own fish. And it's called Two Bent Rods. And Samantha and her husband started this business years ago. They went down to the beach and were fishing and they noticed all of a sudden they had all these children around them watching what they were doing. And because mum and dad have got so busy these days, yeah, um, yeah. no one was teaching the kids how to fish and they didn't know how to put a, a hook on or how to gut a fish or they didn't know any of that stuff. So wow. um, so they started up these fishing camps. And again, the way that she markets and promotes those 
by constantly being on her phone down at the river or down at the beach or wherever it is, talking about the fish, showing what's going on. And she's doing some stuff that people are following because the best one she did the other day, and it, it blew up a little bit on, in, on the internet over here, was because she was fishing at a place called Humpy Bong. And if you know anything about Australia, they've got some very strange place names. So she use, uses that all the time. I'm here at Humpy Bong doing a bit of fishing. And it, yeah, it went viral just because the, the name of the place was hilarious. So, um, so yeah, so I think there's a lot of viral stuff you can do by telling stories. Mm -hmm. I also think there's some really cool stuff you can do about just throwing something in that people remember. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And just really getting into into well, they, it's a reticular activation again, but it's you know using words that people respond to and people remember. It's very very clever that they're doing that. I love it. Yeah. So, uh, well, yeah, it's it's like me using my you know using my last name because it's a famous famous razor. But anyway, uh, I've always said you know my daddy thought I was sharp. Uh, <laughs> uh, I love uh, I love how you uh, you know what I mean you've done some unique things over the years. Uh, and, and some of the stories you're telling, but this past year has been a troublesome year in our world. All right. Mm. How are you helping your clients and customers, uh, through like the pandemic times? All right. And you know, what's going on in your neck of the woods with it and how are you using it to better the world? Yeah, it's a great question. We're very fortunate here in Australia and New Zealand. We've especially Queensland here in Australia, our life really hasn't changed that much. Mm -hmm. um, we're very, very fortunate. But um, it's interesting because one of the first things that happens when there's any sort of crisis is people stop. They stop advertising and they stop marketing. Yeah. Um, and so very early on in the pandemic, yes, we definitely saw a change in our industry. Um, but we've actually been busier than we would normally have been in this last year because people realised very quickly that this internet thing they'd been playing with and they might have had a website or they might have had a LinkedIn profile and that was about it. They realized if they needed to keep their business going, they needed to get into the internet big time. Yeah, um, yeah. And they needed to understand how it worked and they needed to leverage it. So we actually found this last year, we've had a lot of business mm -hmm. because people have realized that they're mostly all over the place. Mm -hmm. So they've got a business brand, then they've got this book they've written, then they've done a podcast and they've done, you know, organically they've grown all this stuff but they've never pulled it together under a proper brand and they've never really got their story right. They've never really got a hero story. They're not really publicizing it. They're not really, you know, they're just hoping and wishing that some business is going to come in the door. So um, we've been really busy helping them pull all their, their identity together online, um, creating a hierarchy for their brands so that their business brand and themselves with their personal brand all fit nicely together, um, writing their books, winning them awards and getting them noticed. So, and it's been really interesting. And it's back to that thing I said before, you know, we're getting smashed. Our brains are getting so smashed mm -hmm. with content. It, yeah. it is, there was a word someone used the other day, infobesity, mm -hmm. which I thought was really quite nice. You know, we're, we're struggling with infobesity. There's just too much information. Um, so for us, we've been really busy because people are, are they're, they're wanting direction and they're wanting some clarity to go, right, how do I pull this together? I need to get my business online. One of the most amazing businesses we have been working with, and I can't say this was down to us other than the fact that we were guiding and mentoring her during the year. Um, she owned a, a chocolate making company and they, before the pandemic, I think they'd sold a total of about $1,700 worth of chocolates online ever in the whole history of this company. Since the pandemic, they have sold literally hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of chocolate online. 
Um, and in fact, this Easter just gone was one of their best ever weekends ever in the history of the company. And 90% of it was online compared to what she was doing a year ago out of her cafe and out of her shop. So, you know, she's had to change and, and move with the times and she's loving it because she now knows what to do with the internet. She knows how to reach people. She, again, she records beautiful stories. It's called Poppy's Chocolates, if anyone's interested in looking at it. And she talks about how the chocolates are made and her favorites and she tests them out in the factory and you can see them being made. And it's just, you know, she's constantly telling stories and she's doing such a good job. So yeah, I, we've been busier than ever, Tim, is the answer. You uh, And then you started to mention chocolates and immediately I started to think, I know a chocolatier in your part of the world, Chocolate Johnny. Do you know Chocolate Johnny? I don't know Chocolate Johnny. I'm gonna go and find out about them though. Look, I mean, search on those things, Chocolate Johnny, you'll find him. That's like, the, he, he does speaking and stuff, but like I met him in the Blab days when he was just, you know, showing, making chocolate on Blab, uh, yeah. on video. It's like, you know, this is like five, six years ago. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> and then I got a taste of some of his chocolates. But yeah, he's actually done some stuff for me over the years uh, when I was sharing live streaming at other people's conferences where he would chime in from Australia just for me. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. So, well, now I have someone else down there to do it. I got you. No. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so it's interesting. You're still helping him grow. All right. Uh, have you seen... Uh, any of your clients, or should I say, in your world down there, uh, people just saying, okay, that's it, and closing up shop? Yeah, where we live is a, a large tourism industry, and they've really suffered. Um, although the ones who've done all right are the ones who've always known that you've got to look after your locals as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you have to have a strong foundation to any business. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, they, I mean, their their traffic's, you know, 90 to 100% down. So so there's lots of those sorts of businesses. And they've been amazing. A lot of people here have managed to adapt and do all sorts of incredible things. And even where I live um, is a resort. So we used to have about 60 to 70 apartments here that were holidays. Mm -hmm. um, and, and people would come and have holidays here. They've, they've all turned into residents now. Wow. So, you know, so the interesting thing is we're now seeing a better community where we live because we, we've got neighbours we know, you know, and that, that, so there's always upsides to things. I, I, it's, it's really interesting how if people can adapt and change, and I just last night watched David Attenborough's documentary about when the world stopped Mm -hmm. um, and how nature came back. And all of a sudden there's been this incredible change around the world. In Florida, there's more turtles being born and, you know, all this sort of stuff. Um, it just, you do wonder, don't you, sometimes, Tim, whether we just need to tread a little bit more softly on, on the earth. We need to just take yeah, stock of what you really want to do with your life. And do you really want to do that, like you said before, do you really want to do that commuting and working your guts out for somebody else? Or would you rather work from home? I, one of the things I think is going to change, Tim, I don't think there's going to be a lot of people rushing to get back to the office. Mm. You know, I think there's a lot of people. I know someone was from Melbourne the other day and they said probably 20% of the offices are open again. That's all. Yeah. And they've they've been out of lockdown for, for months and only 20% of people have gone back into the office. Yeah. Um, and, they, and they are saying, I, I will finish now at half past four in the afternoon and go home because I want to have dinner with my family. Yeah, yeah. Because that's what I've become used to. Um, and I've seen my wife and I work this. harder than ever. Uh, our, our dinner time got moved from 6.30 p.m. to 8 p.m. now. I mean, because we work harder than ever. Yeah, yeah. But I do notice, is, is it just me or in America, do people get up a little bit later than normal? 
Um, I can't answer for every American. I will tell you this American does not get out of bed before 8 a.m. <laughs> wow. So like this is it's um, coming up to half past five in the morning here. Yeah, I'm yeah. normally up around 5, 6 a.m. I'm off to the gym, but it's light here and it's warm here. And it's, you know, the East Coast of America. I know I've been in Washington and Boston. It's not warm in the mornings over there in certain times of the year. It's blooming freezing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. We seem to do the... Getting up, getting work into work. I'm at my desk normally by half past seven, eight o'clock in the morning, and I'm finishing around six p.m. at night. You know, I'll finish by then, and and we don't work in the evenings. <laughs> so it's, it's um, interesting. Yeah, I, I've got a you know, I mean, with, with my wife and I, like she comes, we she comes home, and then we have dinner, and we spend a couple hours together. But like she goes to bed at ten o'clock, I come back mm -hmm. up to my office from ten to like one a.m. Yeah. and I that's creation time for me because I'm blocked yeah. out. You know, today during the day, it's recording, it's work. It, yeah. But my creation, anything I'm come on, coming up with new is all done at night between 10 yeah. and 1 a.m. And yeah. that's why I don't get up until 8 a.m. Because I don't go to bed at 1.30. Yeah, exactly. And it's yeah. no interruptions either. You can just totally get into being creative. I guess you've got to, it's a nice lesson, isn't it? You've got to figure out when are you most creative. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and make sure you set aside, make that time sacred that no one eats into that. That's my yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. That's it. And, and, and I'm even yesterday, I was telling a client, you know what I mean, a new client, that there's something they have to put in their schedule. They, they yeah. call me stressed out. And I said, listen, every day you got to do something, you know, uh, yeah. for, for us. I mean, for me, I, my, my mom and I live close before the pandemic. We used to take off in the afternoon, about two thirty, three o'clock our time, go up to the mall, get a cup. We'd walk two loops around the mall. That was our exercise. Then we'd stop and get a cup of coffee or, a, you know, or a, a glass of wine. And then we'd come home. That was an afternoon ritual, but it exercise, all right, as well as an afternoon treat. So, yeah, yeah. yeah break it up. It's interesting, isn't it? When, when you're an entrepreneur, you don't get these, you know, holidays and you don't get vacation time. You don't get no. paid leave, all that sort of stuff. So you've got to almost have a little mini holiday every day, haven't you? That little yeah. break, you either read a book, or go for a walk or spend some time with somebody. Yeah, absolutely. Just This is my time. And, uh, and that's my little break for the day. And maybe I might be able to afford a vacation this year um, when I've got some time. But, yeah, absolutely, every day, some yeah. sort of break. So, Yeah, I, I, and it is. I mean, you've got you've to make the world, you know, as an entrepreneur, you make the world what you want it to be. And that is what I liked. I didn't get into being an entrepreneur to become a billionaire. I got into the entrepreneur to control my world. Yeah, that, that's, absolutely. That's the truth. I, I'm honest with my people. Let them know that because I wanted to create my world, my time, mm -hmm. do what I wanted. So, yeah. Lauren, you know, before we go on this, I like asking this question always as a last question. Um, I don't know everybody who's listening to it live, and I, and I don't know all the people who are going to listen to the downloads. But, you know, you seem kind of an intuitive person. If you could just tap into your intuitive mind and give a word of advice to people who we don't know who they are, we don't know what they want. But what advice would you give them? Wow, that is hard when you don't know what people want. I mean, that's normally what you ask yeah. first off, isn't it? Um, it's the secret of marketing, is it? First of yeah. all, find out what people want. Um, I think probably if it's a, a general thing about how am I going to be happy, yeah, what am I going to be fulfilled with? Um, there's a word in the Japanese word that everybody might may know, ikigai. Mm -hmm. And ikigai is that mixture of doing what you love and being well paid for it. So finding the thing that really brings you joy, which is what we were talking about before, I guess, Tim, you know, finding that thing that brings you joy and earning a money, earning some money for it so that you can afford to pay to, to live. Yeah. So it's really a mixture of that. If you can find that, if you can figure out what is your guy, what is going to bring you joy, 
but is going to also bring you some income so that you can you know, afford to build this lifestyle that you want. And as you say, Tim, it doesn't need to be squillions. I mean, you know, everybody seems to always want, I want to be the next Elon Musk or whatever. It's just not necessary. Yeah. You just need to have enough that you don't have any money worries, I guess, enough that you're looking after your family, that you're, you're, you've are you got some goals and so on. Write down what you need in terms of your money. But it's far more important that you're feeding your soul and you're giving yourself a reason and a purpose. Um, good old John F. Kennedy once said, you know, effort and courage are not enough without purpose and direction. So figure that out. What is your purpose? Why are you here? You know, what's the legacy you want to leave? And then choose that direction and go for it. I think we become very easily distracted. We get this bright, shiny object-itis, especially as entrepreneurs. We've got entrepreneurial brains and we just go, yep, let's do that. You know, you can have these stupid ideas in the shower or while you're taking the dog for a walk. And when we jump in and do things, if you don't have purpose and direction, no matter how much effort and courage and bravery you have, you're still not going to be fulfilled. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, choose your direction and decide that's where I want to go, that's where I want to be. It's, I think the biggest bit of advice I'd give for anybody is it's going to take three years. Whatever you choose to do, it's going to take three years. I like that. That's going to be my writer down. Yeah, it's going to be three years. So make sure you write down where you want to be in three years' time. Because if you don't, you'll never get there. You'll just be all over. You'll be distracted by that bright, shiny object itis all the time. Yep, exactly. So, well, I want to make sure that people who are listening in both audio and video can find you. All right. What is the best website they can reach you at? The easiest place to go to is theaudaciousagency.com. Um, it's very straightforward and we are audacious there. We're pretty, pretty bold and brave with what we do, but yes, you'll find loads of content there. There's downloadables there. My book is on there and its book is on there. Um, one of the other things that we love that's on there that people might find really useful after this conversation is we have the most audacious marketing action planner on there. And one of my favorite pages in that is the weekly planner. Mm -hmm. um, and it takes 15 minutes and you actually map out what you're going to get done this week. And it doesn't give you much room. It only gives you five different topics that you can do under every subject. So it stops that bright, shiny object itis from happening. It makes you focus yeah. <laughs> and get stuff cool. done. Yeah. That's what a lot of people need is that they get, quit, quit, quit chasing the, quit chasing the shiny objects and get some focus. So absolutely. Yeah. yeah. My, my thing I always tell people, mine is uh, assets plus system plus discipline will equal success. Yeah, so. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, David Ogilvie said it the best. I mean, he had an amazing history and career in, in the creative industries and he said, give me the freedom of a tight brief. Yeah. You know, so get rid of all the surf, superfluous stuff you don't need. Focus on what you've got to get done. Isn't it interesting when you, when you go on holiday, you are so good at getting stuff done and saying no to stuff because you've got an absolute deadline. Yeah. So you've got to treat every week like that. Is like I this what do I have to get done? And and when I'm sitting there and I'm messing around on Facebook or I'm listening to stuff and, and whatever and I shouldn't be doing it, what should I be doing? So yeah, absolutely important. Cool, cool. Well, before we go, I appreciate you coming on the show today, Lauren, and taking time out of your early morning. It's been a blast. I've loved it, Tim. Thank you. Yeah. But before you go, I have a game I close out called This or That. Awesome. Nine questions specifically made for you. Some of these I ask everybody, but specifically some of them are for you. So here we go. Uh, number one, Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. Okay. Grew up with, I saw the original Star Wars. I went, I think I must have been about seven or eight when I went to see Star Wars for the first time, like nothing we'd ever seen before. 
for you young kids, all right, that would be episode four. To us, that's episode one. Just get over it. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you for that, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> My next one here, because I know you live down under. ACDC, who is the better singer, Bon Scott or Brian? Oh, no, that's just not fair. That's just, <laughs> I can't choose between those two. That's just I know, they're fair. both great, but I, I, I had to come up with an Australia-type question. <laughs> I mean, they will probably, it's funny, actually, in the gym that I, I go to an F45 and they have an Australia Day soundtrack that they play a lot of Australian music, and Akadaka comes on a lot. Oh, I'm going to say Bon because he's just awesome, but, yeah. I can't choose between them. I'll go to I'll go to hell for saying that now. Okay. Did did, did you like when Ace, when when Axel Rose sang with him? Not as much. No, no, I've got to be honest with you. And I love Axel. I love that they're just awesome. In fact, aren't they touring again soon? Isn't that yeah, who's yeah, they touring? Are. As a matter of um, yeah. so so my mentor, my my mentor and business coach used to be Axel's personal manager. Ah, fantastic. I, so I'm like really connected so like yeah, i knew yeah, when yeah. i knew when when guns and roses were getting back together and everything and i'm like whoa this is cool <laughs> anyway <laughs> um so let me move on here number three are you a dress up girl or are you a yoga pants girl well you know what it's like and this is typical absolutely total zoom business from the waist up today and i have my cycling shorts on because i'm about to go to the gym so yeah you will find me in shorts and t-shirt more often than anything else but if i'm on stage and i have to be at the part and i have to be there i do love my dresses i do yeah. i do like my nice dresses if i have to but when people who normally know me from sailing and going to the gym and playing golf yeah. um they'll look at me very strange when i have a dress on so yes yeah. I, I just was very fortunate when I got started in speaking, uh, you know, I, Zig Ziglar was my friend and mentor and Zig said to me, I, I was going to, I was going to like get a suit and tie. And yeah. at the time I had long hair and Zig said, no, that's not you. Be yeah. you on stage. Yeah. That's what Absolutely. Want. Be comfortable. Be yourself. Definitely. Yep. Uh, my next one here is kind of an American food, but you know, I couldn't think of, I didn't know all the Aussie foods. So I try to stick with this one, hamburger or taco. Uh, I probably, oh my God, I don't know, to be honest with you. I'm not really a big fan of either of them. Um, I'm doing the F45 challenge at the moment, so I'm off bread, so let's go yeah. tacos for now. Okay. And specifically fish tacos. We get fish tacos here that are just, oh, divine, with a nice margarita. Now you're making me feel hungry. Oh, yeah. Well, wait a minute. Well, 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 well margarita, well, we didn't quite get to that one yet. Um, no, beer <laughs> or wine is our next one. How about beer or wine? Which one would you choose out of those? Oh, definitely beer. I'm a beer. Well, Aussies, Aussies and New Zealanders, we're big beer drinkers and yeah. nice craft beer. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, I'm into craft beers. You can keep that Budweiser, Miller Lite. None craft. of that yep. stuff. We, we've got a favorite. There's a, a craft brewery just down the road called Black Hops, which yeah. is a play on Black Ops because it was the worst kept secret on the Gold Coast. Everybody knew they were starting up and uh, we we're investing in them. But um, the beer that I like that they have there is called Tropic Like It's Hot. Yeah. And it's my favorite little lager. It's quite nice. Yeah. My, yeah, my wife will drink the dark beers. I like like the blondes and the and the yeah. light uh, uh, citrusy type stuff. So yeah, yeah it's, no. it's, well, you'd it's, like tropic like it's hot. It's got lemongrass and ginger and all sorts of things. Oh, I probably it. would right. love that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So my next one's another clothing clothing device, and that is uh, you. Know what I mean, are you a heels girl or a boots girl? Uh, definitely heels. Definitely okay. heels because if I can get out of my sneakers. Yeah. <laughs> and the sailing shoes, I'm going to put on some nice heels. Absolutely. And I, and I realize, you know what I mean? Boots for me up here are different than boots for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, next one, I'm going to go into computers. Apple or PC? 
Oh, Apple, all the way Apple. I've been in, everything in our household is Apple. There's no, we had a PC in our house once. Yeah. I think it lasted about a year and we got rid of it. <laughs> yeah, and I, I switched everything over 2012 and I, I have everything iPads, I, I, Macs. Yeah, everything's just, it's all Apple. So, yeah. yeah. So, up here in America, this is a big, this next one is a big, big fight for many, many people. And so, I don't know if it is down there, but the toilet paper, does it go over on the roll at your house or under? Definitely over. And in fact, if I'm at somebody else's house or place and it's the other way around, I will change it. So that question, Lauren, I asked that question. I've had some of those fun answers. Some of the people who've been on this show are like these peaceful, calm <laughs> people. And you ask them that question and fans <laughs> come out. And I'm like, yeah, what happened to the like all peaceful rainbows you do? <laughs> Uh, my last question, and this is the one I like to make it most interesting. And I, I don't know whether it's you wear them or you're, you like to see them, all right? But it's boxers or briefs. Uh, definitely uh, definitely briefs. So I was going to say boxers. Definitely briefs. And um, in Australia, it's really interesting. You either have the big, long board shorts mm -hmm. or you have budgie smugglers, mm -hmm. which is the two, you know, the budgie smugglers, budgie smugglers or board shorts is a similar sort of question. But yeah. definitely, definitely not the boxes for me. Now, none of that stuff. I'd rather just get out there and do it. <laughs> See, my quiz is not that hard. No, it's not. It's a lot of fun. Absolutely a lot of fun. Don't know what I was freaking out about. I know. I told you we would have fun on this. So uh, one more time, Lauren, for everybody, both audio and video, repeat the website so they can get a hold of you. Absolutely. So you need to, need to go to theaudaciousagency.com. And you'll find lots of amazing stuff on there to help you with your branding and your publicity and awards and books and all your marketing and everything else. But the episode of this show will definitely be all over my socials as well. So make sure you look after that as well and find me on social as well. Cool, cool. All right. Well, Lauren, I thank you so much for taking time out of your day. All right. Especially I know because you got up real early to do this for me. <laughs> oh, no. Not that. It's nice and light outside now. So that's awesome. It's almost time for the gym. It'll be fine. Cool, cool. Uh, to you guys, the listeners, I want you to thank you for listening in today. Do me a favor. Go check out Lauren. I know she she chimed in from all the way on the other side of the world because she wanted to meet you today. So go check her out, theaudaciousagency.com. I'm Tim Gillette. This is the Tim Gillette Show, and you will see me back here real soon with another guest. In the meantime, subscribe to where we get your podcast, the Tim Gillette Show, as well as our YouTube channel. Help us grow that as well. I'll be back with another cool guest real soon. Have a great day. Bye now.